Last year, we launched our course, The Data-Driven Classroom, and had hundreds of educators and clinicians take this course with consistently amazing feedback. I heard from so many teachers how this course really changed the way they approach data, how they were able to set up simple data systems, train their paras, and be collecting data to make data-based decisions within days of finishing the course. That feedback made me so happy. Now that course has been closed and unavailable since last year, but guess what? We are reopening the course, the data-based classroom, and I want you to be one of the first ones in. If data is something you have been struggling with for years, let's work on this together. Let me give you all of the tools to make this something that can consistently happen in your classroom. And guess what? Since you are a podcast listener, and I absolutely love my podcast listeners, I have an awesome code for you. When you use the code DATA100, you're going to get $100 off of the course bundle. Now, this code is only going to be usable until March 20th. So you only have one week to use this code, but Data 100 will get you $100 off of that course bundle. So that means for less than $200, you are getting the amazing data toolkit with literally hundreds of data sheets, all editable. And don't worry, I teach you how to edit it. And that entire data-driven course that touches on academic data, behavior data, staff training, and so much more. There's a link in the show notes with all of the information. Let's make this year the year that data really works. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. On today's episode of the Autism Helper Podcast, we are talking about making choices. Now, that's sometimes a hard skill, and it's an important skill. In life, we have to make decisions. And making choices are really powerful because they give you control. I love making choices. I want to make my own decisions. I do not want someone else to make them for me. Today, I'm chatting with Laura Verzi Alezacek. Laura is a special education teacher and board-certified behavior analyst, and Laura uses this strategy of giving choices with her students all the time. In this episode, she gives so many great examples, and the thing that I love about this antecedent intervention is you don't need anything. You don't need to laminate anything. You don't need any Velcro. You don't need any stuff. It's just giving choices within the context of your daily activities, especially, as she'll talk about, for those non-preferred tasks. So let's go ahead and jump into this conversation. Hi, Laura. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So today we are talking about choices, and I think the way a lot of special ed teachers might at first glance, comprehend that topic. They would think of like a choice board for reinforcers or preferred items. But that's not quite the way we're talking about choices today, right? Right. So today we're talking about choices for non-preferred tasks. And I'm really excited to talk about this because I think this is a great antecedent intervention that we can incorporate into our kids' lives that can have a really big impact. 
So can you talk a little bit about what you mean by giving choices for non-preferred tasks? Sure. So one thing I think that's important to understand, um, just like you just mentioned, is we're going to be using these choices as an antecedent intervention, meaning we want to give them prior to starting a task or demand. Um, And there's definitely a lot of benefits for offering choices to our children or students. One is choices can be used for anyone in any situation. So the benefits aren't limited to using them only with individuals that have a disability. Um, They can be used in the home, the school, the community, really wherever you find yourself needing them. Um, They can also provide an individual with a sense of control over the situation, which can definitely be helpful even as adults, right? If there's something we really don't want to do, having some choices can make that task a little more enjoyable. Yeah, that's a great point on the control. Like, first of all, the control is not bad. We all want control, right? Mm -hmm. And even thinking about like an afternoon or an evening where you have a bunch of non-preferred tasks on your to-do list, like you have to fold laundry and do dishes and, you know, put clothes away or whatever. It's, if someone told you the order to do it in, it would probably annoy you. Like you want to pick it in the order that you want, right? Yes, for sure. And I mean, even if you're at home, you could maybe pick who helps you with it. You know, the order, how long you want to spend on a task, things like that. So why is this effective besides like the idea of, you know, giving control? Can this be effective at like reducing problem behaviors or increasing independence? Like independence, what what is the kind of can be the effect of giving choices? So giving choices are great at reducing the motivation to escape, which can often lead to um, problematic behavior. Right. So if we are offering choices as much as we can, we should see a decrease in those problem behaviors while seeing an increase in the appropriate and on-task behaviors. Um, That's probably one of the best benefits of giving choices as much as you can, you know, whether at home or in school. Um, We also like to give choices because it teaches individuals to make decisions um, and understand that they're not going to have access to everything that they might want in, you know, in every single moment. Yeah, that's a great point, the teaching decision-making and and a little bit of like that self-advocacy piece too. Right. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, if you think about adults who have trouble making decisions, um, I think it's just really good practice for our kids when they're, you know, as they're growing up to be able to yeah. make that decision on the spot. So what can this look like in a classroom as far like what types of choices are you talking about? So the way that I kind of wanted to talk about that is, if it's okay with you, is first on yeah. how to give choices. Because yes, please. Because you know, the tips on how to give them before you start doing it. Yeah. Um, so like with any new skill, we have to make sure we're teaching our kids how to make a decision, right? So that they can only, so they understand they can only choose one of the options. So to start with teaching our kids this, I would start by offering choices when it's a preferred activity. Um, so let's say they're coloring, for example, I might, and let's assume they enjoy coloring. I might say like, oh, which paper do you want to color on? Which crayons do you want to use, uh, you know, red or green, something like that. So we want to make sure that the kids understand how to make a decision. Um, depending on their age and developmental levels, too, you'd, want, you'd likely want to start with tangible items instead of ab- abstract ideas. So we might hold out two toys as opposed to offering a choice like now or later, because now mm-hmm. or later isn't really concrete. We might not understand what that means. Um, even if it were me, if someone said now or later, I would say, well, what's later? You know? Yeah, exactly. 
as I want it to be so I can keep avoiding this task. <laughs> um, we want to make sure we're using clear, quick, and easy language so that they can understand what we're offering. Um, typically, two options is best just because it's, you know, it's just easier for, for people to make a decision. And we want to avoid open-ended questions. This is really important because if you think about, at least with my friendships and my relationships, um, if you have to like make a decision for dinner, if someone says, where should we eat? I feel like that can turn into an hour long debate. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh. Are you like looking into my marriage right now? Cause that is like the main thing my husband and I argue about. Yes. Yep. I, it's a real problem. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Do you want to go to Cinco or Mario's? Okay, great. I'm going to make that decision probably quicker depending on, you know, what we're in the mood for. That's a great analogy. Um, we want to make sure when we're giving choices, we are meeting the child where they are with their skills or even their current emotional state. Um, so we, you want to kind of be prepared to offer the choices. Do you need visuals? Can they point to show you what they want? Do they have to say it? You know, you want to just keep all of those things in mind. And again, this kind of goes with when you are teaching the skill of making the choice. Um, you would just want to let, you know, the learner know how they can indicate what their decision is. Yeah, great point. Um, so something I'm often asked is what happens if the child chooses something other than what I offered? And this will happen, especially if you're not very familiar with giving choices or if the student or child isn't that familiar with picking. Um, so if, if their option or idea is something that's feasible, I'll typically do one of two things. So one thing I may do is say something along, along the lines of, oh, yeah, how could I forget to mention that? <laughs> or something like, yeah, I didn't get to finish my sentence. I was right about to offer that, right? So that it seems like it had been my idea and it's on my terms that their mm -hmm. idea is available just because we don't want the child to get in the habit, you know, of always expecting they can bring another option into play. Yeah. Because that definitely will at some point then lead to a power struggle. Mm -hmm. um, so something else I might do is just really quickly, almost use first then and have them have to complete something quickly or use one of my options for a short time and then they can have their choice available to them. Uh, oh, yeah, that's a great point. And, you, and you're right. Like, you know, not everything is always available. So that's a nice natural contingency to start to teach. Right. And, you know, if something's not available, it's just not available. But if it is something that I just didn't think of, you know, who cares? Like if mm -hmm. I say, do you want to write with a a crayon or pencil and they say, Oh, can I use that pen? Yeah, you can, you know, but I'm going to, yeah. you're going to have to work for it a little bit because it wasn't one of my initial options. Awesome. Um, so the last two tips, these are um, my favorite tips to give when, and to remember when you're giving, giving choices. Um, the first is that both available options should result in the same outcome that you're intending. So this means that it should be considered a win-win for everyone, right? So as the teacher or parent, we are satisfied that what we need to get done is done, right? But the child also feels as though it's being done on their terms because they were able to be part of that decision-making process. Awesome. Um, so talk me to an, an example of what you mean by this. Okay. So a lot of, not a lot of times, but I have heard teachers say something like, uh, okay, you can do your math now or you can do it at recess right? Those are not two preferred options. If a, <laughs> if a child does not want to do math, you are, that's not helping the situation, right? Instead, we might offer something like, 
um, when it can be done, how it can be done, which materials to use. Um, it's also important to remember that when we're offering choices, it doesn't mean a task or activity is not going to be completed. Instead, we're going to offer these things within the demand. Um, so we want to stay with, you know, two positives. So choices such as, so let's say we need a parent to go to the food store. Um, if we offer a choice like, do you want to go to the food store or to the park? That's not going to help us get to the food store, right? The kid's <laughs> yeah. probably going to pick, I want to go to the park. Instead, we might want to do something like, do you want to push the cart or hold the shopping list? Mm-hmm. Right? Because then we're indicating this food shopping is going to happen, but that child will have a little say in how it goes. Yes. I love this. And there's so like, if you start, once you start thinking about that, there are so many choices you can give kids. Like, hey, do you want to do your math at this table with me or at your desk over there by yourself? Or do you want to write with marker or write with pen? I use, I use those examples. You were using those earlier of like what to write with because some teachers might be like, oh my gosh, I can't let them write in crayon. And it's kind of like, well, why, why not? Who cares? You know, right. If the work's getting done. Exactly. It's really important to keep, keep our eyes on the prize, right? So if we want the child to clean their room, who cares what they're wearing when they clean their room, right? Yes. Wear a Superman cape or their pajamas. Great. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I definitely think the types of choices are endless. Um, It does take time and practice, but once you do it, you can get really creative. Um, You know, so some other examples are, let's assume that every scenario is non-preferred for for this. Um, So getting dressed, you might say, do you want to wear the blue shirt or the green shirt? Who's helping with your socks, mom or dad? Mm-hmm. Um, walking to class. Should we go the short way or the long way? Do you want to walk on my right or my left? Um, the right and left, that choice is one of my go-tos when I don't, when I'm stuck. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, if let's say I'm outside, I don't have any tangible objects. I'm kind of, I'm just kind of stuck in a situation. I'll use like the directional um, choices as much as I can, um, just because it's always going to be available. You know, do you want to walk on this side or this side? Um, I think that sentence you said like a minute ago is just like really illuminates what this all is about is you got to keep your eye on the prize. Like Mm -hmm. what is your goal? And that getting dressed example with the, you know, do you want green shirt or blue shirt? Do you want mom or dad to help you with your socks? Like your goal isn't to get Johnny to wear the blue shirt. Your goal is to get Johnny dressed. So you don't right. really care what shirt he's wearing or who helped him put his socks on. Now, let's say it's like picture day and like I'm a controlling parent. So I'm like, you're going to wear the outfit I bought for you. My goal then would be like, you're going to wear the dress I bought you. So then my choices might be like, hey, do you want to get dressed in your room or in the kitchen? Like, do you want to have mom or dad? So it's it's good to like identify really what's my goal. And if it's completing a, you know, a math worksheet, it doesn't matter if it gets done in, in pen or pencil or exactly. marker. Yeah. So even something like sitting down for a meal, right? We might say, do you want to sit in this chair or that chair? Um, Should I sit next to you or across from you? And I love giving kids the option where they can make decisions for you as the adult. Um, You know, it can just be really beneficial for the, for the children who are really kind of craving that sense of power or control. Um, And again, that would be another eyes in the prize situation. I just want the child to come sit at the table with me who cares where I sit, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, even with cleaning up, you can do things such as, do you want to clean up the big pieces or the little pieces? 
if I'm trying to kind of get the ball moving with cleaning up, I might say, okay, who's going to put the first piece away? You or me? Um, getting started on an assignment, we kind of, you know, address this already, but I might say, hey, what are you taking out first? Your notebook or pencil? Um, do you want to work at your desk or the beanbag? Who should get the materials, you or me? You know, a lot of times the students at least love kind of saying like, oh, you can go get them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's fine because it's also an opportunity to then praise them, you know, for using, for appropriately telling you, using their words, yeah. um, really can also reinforce that communication that they're using when they're making their decision. And as like you kind of had said earlier in this conversation, you know, the skill of making a decision is hard for people. And, you know, you can start to see that if you really incorporate this into your repertoire and you're doing this, you know, all the time, your team's doing this all the time, think about how many practice opportunities that child or individual is getting at making decisions. Like that's huge. If you can like cram all this into one day, like they're having so many opportunities to make decisions. Like that's great practice. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. And sometimes the choices might seem a little bit silly. Like I mentioned earlier, you might have to get creative. Um, I always think about one time I, I, we were having trouble getting a student on the bus. It was just very non-preferred. So I said, okay, you know, we got to the bus. All right. Do you want to step up with your right foot or your left foot? (laughs) And people were like, she did not just offer that. (laughs) And I'm like, listen, guess what? That kid got to pick and he used his right foot to get on the bus, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's what I mean by saying you'll get creative because you will get to a point where you don't have much to offer in that moment, but you have to think, okay, what can I offer then? You know, um, yeah. I don't know. Do you want to take a step up with your eyes closed or open? You know, <laughs> yeah. where I don't need materials. I don't always need tangible objects to offer these things. We just, you just have to kind of get quick on your feet. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Laura. This like got my wheel turning for sure. There's like so many, you know, like you said, creative ways and easy ways that you can incorporate choice making into all parts of your day. And I think this could be really helpful for, you know, both teachers and parents to work on with their kids. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, Laura. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum, everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.